The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 387. I have a special guest joining us today, a first-timer on the show. You can find his work at rotowire.com. He's a kicking butt in the NFBC. He even won a free main event ticket, which we'll let him talk about as well. He's doing really good at this stuff, and he's really good at do- doing the closers charts at rotowire.com. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Roof, R-U-F-E. Ryan, how we doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh when Sam kicking butt at the NFBC, I think uh, my <laughs> winning the main event qualifier is my my lone highlight of the year. So. <laughs> you did that for like fifty bucks though, or something, right? Yeah, yeah, it was fifty dollars. That's, that's a pretty good ROI. Just uh, all yeah. things considered, even if you I'll don't win it. any money, that's pretty pretty solid. So yeah, we I'll won't we won't talk about the several hundred I dropped uh, after <laughs> afterwards yeah. trying to get another one, but yeah, you're still plus money, right? So it's all yeah. good. Exactly. It's a it's a cool format over there. I keep wanting to do it, and I forget about it. It's it's Fridays only, right over at Fanball. Yeah, so I think they I think they took a break recently. Okay. Um, they were doing them every week, and then um, some of them they were having trouble filling. So I think they took a break for a little while. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, um, brought them back towards the end of the year. But um, yeah, they're fun. That's DFF is always fun. Yeah, no, I do DFS on the daily. So uh, for but DraftKings stuff, so. I keep meaning to do it, and I just kind of like zone out and forget all about it. So, um, yeah, that'll be something we're checking out. And then I wanted to uh, make sure I got this right. So is this your first year delving into the online championships, or have you done this before? Yeah, I've, I've been in the online championship since early okay. 2014. Yeah, um, doing the OCs for a while, um, draft champions since, I think, 2013. So okay. I've never done a main, main event, so really excited for that. Um, doing a main event qualifier this year try to grab another seat but it's looking unlikely uh you know the injuries keep keep popping up but 
yeah, it's it's been a wild year along those lines. That's what I was going to ask is um, from year to year now that you've been playing since 14 in, in, in fab leagues and you've obviously done the DCs, this year has been crazy, as you said, with all the injuries. How have you just kind of approached things differently because everyone's spinning fab, everyone's doing this just to kind of fill the roster sometimes? Yeah, it's uh, actually I have several teams where every bench spot is is – is you know a red briefcase and you try to think about it guys like Strasburg and Flaherty like how long do you do you hold these guys I mean how long do you hold on for and it's been it's been a tough year to navigate especially with all the injuries there's there's nothing out there I mean even in 12s it's hard to find you know uh good good options uh and 15s is you know <laughs> I mean we're, we're rostering players that you know you never would have thought you would have rostered so um, it's tough to navigate, but you just gotta you gotta grind through it, man. Yeah, no, it is a grind. That's the it's the best way to put it this year. Very very challenging stuff indeed. So we'll keep grinding on. So we got a little over two months of the season to go. So we'll go over some recent news real quick and kind of how we grind through that, and then we'll talk about your bullpen, your latest update, and kind of go through. All, I wasn't planning on doing almost every team, but as I went through the grid, I'm like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> like, I, it seems like there's question marks on so many situations. So right. we'll go through a chunk of them, that's for sure. But uh, let's talk some recent news. And I kind of messaged you earlier that there's one addition I was going to make to the to the deal because after I typed this up. Um, the news dropped that Nick Castellanos has a micro fracture in his wrist. And I kind of wonder what was going on earlier in the day because he pinched hit like on Monday night, but he hasn't been in the lineup any days. So you're thinking, okay, well, he pinched hit, but he's not playing yet. What's going on? MRI revealed a micro fracture. Latest report, report on Thursday said he's going to miss several weeks. So what's your thoughts? Like you said, when do we drop these guys? And uh, Cassie's been so amazing this year, but wrist injuries can just zap all your production. Like we'll talk about another guy in a little bit. What are you doing with a guy like Castellanos on, say, an NFBC league with no injured reserve? That's tough, yeah. Um, I think I'd probably hold him for a week and and see if other news pops, right? I mean, you always, with, with the star caliber players like Castellanos, it's, you know, and, and Flaherty and, and other people, you, you don't want to drop them and then only to see your, your biggest competitors pick them up and, you know, they go crazy for him. So, you I'm always kind of uh, cautious with the star players, you know, unless it's a, you know, Cunha situation where they're out for the year, you know, that's known. Um, but yeah, I might, I might hold for a few weeks with Castellanos, just a brutal blow to the Reds and miss their playoff race. I mean, Suarez has been awful. I mean, Tyler Naquin is one of their standouts on offense. So yeah, <laughs> it's, <says> a lot. <laughs> their, their chances of uh, making the playoffs is looking pretty, pretty slim now. Yeah, it's tough because it's like with Casty going down, like you said, it ruins. It kind of lowers their chances quite a bit. And yeah. you were you were tweeting out, and we'll obviously talk more about it in the bullpen section. But you're tweeting out stuff like maybe they go back and trade for Iglesias or something. Like, oops, we screwed up. We need a closer. Uh, I might take that out of the question now. So we we got that yeah, going. I think for so <laughs> I think so. But um, you made a good point. Like I, I'd hold Casty for another week or two and see what happens because there's like two sides to it. It's if they do completely fall out of it. Do they just say, screw it, we'll bring him back next season when he's healthy? And then he's so uh, you can kind of drop him then. Or, hey, does it's a micro fracture. Maybe it heals quick, so he's back in like three weeks or four weeks. You never know. So it's, it is a tricky one. I guess we got to kind of see how that one goes. Because it wasn't too long ago we thought Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert were out for the entire season. And now right. Eloy should be back in like a week or so, and Lou Bob just started rehab. So it's, yep. it, it goes like everybody that dropped them, and he dropped them on the proper news at the time. Now you're sitting there going, oof. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's tough stuff there. Uh, let's talk about some youngsters because this year it's been tough for prospects to kind of get their footing 
in the bigs, especially the hitting side of it, surprisingly. So Vidal Brujan's the latest to get demoted back to AAA. Everyone, you know, knows the tools are there, wasn't playing every day. That was always a big concern. What have you like I we, we you can keep or drop Brujan whatever you want. But what what have you been doing with these these young prospects? Because Kalinic's struggling again and he might get demoted here shortly. Yeah, I've you know, I've been holding him. Um Kalinic and and well Brujan, I think I'm gonna drop, but he was only playing against uh, some lefties, but you know, these are the guys, you know, is holding, you know, your fab for, right? Like, you know, I've spent, you know, didn't go over 100 on Bruhan because, you know, he was struggling a bit before his call-up. But, um, you know, Duran, you know, is another guy, you know, invested significant fab dollars in. And, um, you know, Bruhan just wasn't getting it done. I mean, 077, 31% K rate, no walks. I mean, after that hot start in the minors, he's he's really cooled off. So, um you know, it you see kind of the upside there and, and what he could do, especially uh, for the stolen base category. But I don't think he can hold them. Yeah, that's, I don't think he can hold them either. It's always my problem with these prospects: is are they going to play every day? And you mentioned with Bruhan, Duran's even platooning. At least he's on the strong side of it. Like he's not right. playing versus lefties. They just happen to face a lot of lefties this week. But when he's played versus righties, he's looked good. He's hitting second, so that's promising. Yeah. Maybe eventually they'll work something out there to let him play. We'll see. So I wouldn't worry about Duran as much, but Bruhan, I really wouldn't be surprised if Kalinic sent back down if he keeps this up. It's he's like three for I saw somewhere he's three for twenty with nine Ks since his recent call up, and that's not going to cut it either. Um, Wander Franco is kind of treading water right now, but he's really not surprising. He's not really knocking the cover off the ball. So it's 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 been a weird year. I think like the only prospect that's really kept it going is Logan Gilbert after his rough start pitching. He's looked a lot better now, but. And it's been weird because, like you said, everyone puts their fab dollars into these prospects, and it's just not panning out. It's like either that or you, you try to get a closer, and neither neither situation is paying out a ton these days on the market. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, the thing is with these prospects, they'll be back up in September, so you might get them for super cheap because no one has fab dollars left. So something to think exactly. keep thinking about there. Speaking of a prospect that is down and out for the rest of the year, this is a bummer. It's Alex Kirilov. He was off to a great start to the season. Then he, he hurt his, his wrist, missed some time, came back, and he has not been the same. And it's the age-old adage that we never know how these guys are, how hurt these guys really are. And he was playing through an injury, and it kind of showed and made sense once he decided to have wrist surgery, and he's out for the rest of the season. So, obviously, you can drop Alex Kirilov. My yeah, question, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a pretty obvious drop. Um, yeah, he had that sprained wrist back in May, and, and you just wonder if, you know, it just never healed or they just missed uh, – I don't know, something where, you know, they, they needed surgery, but you could tell something was kind of off because, you know, when he, when he came back from that wrist injury, he was, he was, he was doing pretty well, but then uh, in the nine games before undergoing surgery, he was hitting just 138. But um, yeah, solid, solid rookie debut overall, though. A lot of red on a stack cast page, um, 83rd percentile and barrel rate, 92nd and XBA and X slugging. So uh, got a lot of potential, but um yeah, bummer for the twins. You know, see here they're not they're not performing well. So I mean, it's the time to play your young guys, and it's it's, it's unfortunate he won't be in there. And you mentioned uh, the, the the stat cast page is beautiful for Kirilov. I'm I was loving Kirilov during the season, not for good reasons, and it just makes me wonder now when we um we kind of look at draft season next year, where do we see a guy like Kirilov going? Because we saw the potential that he has, like we saw that the upside was there. You'd assume he's healthy next go around. Um, you know, top of your head, spitballing. Where do you think he 
he lands in like the outfielder type situation? Good question. Um, first thing that came to mind was round 10. I don't know if that's too early or too late. Yeah, could be, could be right. So, yeah, um, that could be like earlier, a 15 team yeah. league. 15 team league, that's like 150 ish, give or take. Yeah. And maybe he starts there and, you know, the helium grows as draft season goes on. Yeah. I think I wouldn't be shocked because the prospect hype every year seems like it gets bigger and bigger as drafts come along. He's one of those guys I could see creeping towards that 100 mark just because of what we did see with him at one point in time. So that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, um, it didn't strike out a lot either. 22% K rate. Um, doesn't walk much, um, chases a bit, but that was really the only kind of negative on a stack cast page. But yeah, very promising. Yeah, very, very promising. And then, you know, that, that pretty much locks in Trevor Larnack now because that was always a question, where's Larnack going to go when Buxton comes back, whenever Buxton comes back, for however long Buxton's back this time. So that's a question. You got Kepler there. I guess basically it locks in that situation, which is, I guess, a good thing to uh, to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I think so. Larnick's been in a brutal stretch, though. Uh, struck out almost 50% of the time over his last 10 games, hitting like 100 or something like that. It's It's been bad, but I think this, this pretty much locks him into a role, just try to get through it. Um, but, yeah, uh, Kepler, yeah, hopefully Buxton's back soon, too, because yeah. yeah, he's an exciting Player. Yeah, we need we need Buxton back. The twins need Buxton back, so that, that's very true. Um, Austin Gomber's back though. He came back for Colorado, and I, I it's always a tongue in cheek thing because everyone remembers getting Gombered. But I talked to other people about it since then. I, I got Gombered that week, but I kept him and I kept Same. using him, yep. and it was very very productive. When he went down, I was actually seriously bummed that we lost a guy that I could kind of trust. He came back and threw well in Colorado. Um, how aggressive would you be going back and trying to get him off the wire this week? I'd be pretty aggressive. He is, he was the prize of the Arenado deal. Um, it's pretty clear he's the future of the Rockies starting rotation. I mean, people bag on that trade, but, but Gomber has been good. I mean, he's been really good. Um, you know, had mixed results in his return, gave up three home runs to the Mariners, but those were the only hits he allowed in the game. Won five of his last seven starts. Um, you know, the thing with Colorado pitchers that's, that's, that's always kind of frustrating is people just assume like you shouldn't start him at home. Yep. Umber has a 198 ERA at home and 085 whip. So I'd go after him. I mean, same, that was the same with John Gray. John Gray's got a better home ERA than he does on the road. So um, yeah. I'd be pretty aggressive trying to get Gomber. He's been good. Um, yeah. It's, it's been interesting. Like you've mentioned those like road home splits as it used to be like a forgotten conclusion. Like you said, to not even think about it, but Gomber, even Marquez has been better this year at home than on the road. I think almost all of them have been better at home than on the road this year, yeah. which is really crazy to think about. But yeah, I'm going to be going after Gomber wherever I can. Uh, I like what, the, what he's shown. He's even got the strikeout upside. His biggest thing early in the year was the walks and right. knock on wood. He's controlled that for the most part since he got Gomber. So um, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what he has to offer the last couple months of the season. And on the bright side, if we want to play like really happy side of things with so many guys getting innings limits pretty soon, he just got his rest. So we got him for the rest of the year, most likely. So that's a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of young pitchers that will probably be monitored for innings the rest of the way, Luis Patino will be pitching on uh, Thursday. As we are recording Thursday afternoon. We're pitching Thursday evening and reports out of Tampa Bay is if he does well, he can earn a spot in the rotation, which is music to a lot of fantasy players' ears. Um, what's your expectation on a guy like Luis Patino that we know that the t- uh, prospect pedigree is there? We just haven't seen it in full force yet. Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about Patino. Um, went six innings in his most recent start in the minors. has been going 
five-ish prior to that for about a month. Um, really nice 11 strikeout shutout about a month ago. Just been solid overall at, at uh, Triple A Triple Durham. Uh, 307 ERA, um, good strikeout potential. Um, I wonder, though, um, like, do the Rays go six-man now? Do they do they trade Waka, who hasn't really been good? Um, just kind of wonder what they're going to do there. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about Patino. It will be interesting. That's a good point, the six-man. You know that they will be active in the trade market. They always are. And um, they're still and, and they're towards the top of the division, which is crazy. So the, they'll move pieces and still compete, which is what the Rays do. But it, it's a good point with Waka because Waka they don't let go past four to five innings ever. Like they they monitor him uh, when Patino first came up. Like Waka was opening for Patino, so right. there's a few ways they can go about it for sure. But like you mentioned, Patino's been going five ish or more. Uh, he stretched out to ninety plus pitches in pretty much every outing, which is good to see, especially for a raised pitcher where we usually get kind of get the yo yo around sometimes. So I'm very optimistic. He's a guy I got to be more aggressive for Gomber this weekend, but Patino's a guy I want to put some bids in on because he's got that strikeout upside. As we're this deep into the season now, you're not really chasing ratios as much because those are hard to control. So if you're okay in ratios, Patino's got the win upside and the strikeout upside that can be quite favorable. I think uh, come the last couple months of the year. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, Josiah Gray, he made his debut against the Giants the other night, and he pitched like they had an opener come start the game. He came in though and uh, gave up a few home runs, but also struck out seven and only walked one or two, I believe, in his four innings of work. So he had the good and the bad. Gave up the long ball, a f- few too many, but then looked dominant with the strikeout stuff. He's going to pitch again on Sunday. Looks like he's going to stick around for a little while. So, what's your thoughts on Josiah Gray? Yeah, the Dodgers need him to stick around. Um, no Kershaw, Bauer, Dustin Mays out. Gonsolin's been ineffective. So um, he's Rotowire's 65th ranked prospect. Um, James Anderson does a great job with our with our top 400 prospect list. Uh, um, 22 to 2K to walk in 15 in the third AAA inning. So that's really promising. Uh, yeah, the long ball. We'll see if he can correct the long ball issue his next time out. But yeah, he's another one. He's another one of those guys like Patino where. You know, Gray and Patino, you know, maybe the most effective, uh, you know, rookie starters um, that we're going to be able to grab late. Yeah, that's what's fun about it, especially a guy like Gray, because the Dodgers, like you said, they need him. We could also see them using the opener every time. And we saw how well it's worked for Rays pitchers of like, you can just snag those easy wins type scenarios. And that can play out good because we know that the Dodgers are going to score runs. That's going to be pretty simple to see. So I'm really, I'm really curious. He gets uh, for the Fab bidding is going to stink because he gets Colorado on Sunday, which is going to be very favorable. So he's probably on paper should throw a pretty good outing, and um, it'll it'll definitely raise the price a bit. But I'm with you. He's another one, and it's kind of funny. I started out the show kind of poo pooing on prospects not doing so well, and here we are talking about Patino and Gray, <laughs> and these guys like let's go spend money on him. But um, like I'm not breaking the bank for any of these guys. That's that's any listener of my show knows that by now. Like I'm prospects i'm very hesitant to go too crazy on but with pitching landscape the way we need it the one thing i'll say about gray is they're super super cognitive of limiting his innings that's one thing i'll say is he only had i think 15 innings before he made his start on tuesday so keep keep that in mind with gray unlike the others that could be different 
Yeah, especially in comparison to Patino, I mean, I'd, I'd prioritize him over Gray just because you know the innings upside is 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 higher. Totally agree with that one. And then another prospect, he's he's been around a little longer. We've seen him the good and the bad with Atlanta in the last couple of years is Tuki Toussaint, who threw six and two thirds solid innings, five Ks, one run against San Diego of all teams his last time out. And he's been pretty strong coming his last couple starts before he got called up. Uh, the strikeouts have been there. The the innings have been there with Toussaint. We've had the roller coaster ride with him before. Are you maybe taking a chance on him this time around thinking? And one thing a previous guest of mine mentioned, we got to remember he's still super young. Like everyone wants to throw these guys under, like out there right away. He's only 25, so he might be figuring it out finally. Are you buying into Tukey this time around? Um, I'm not, um, just because he walked 14 in 23rd. 23 and a third in the minors uh, this year. Um, I know we had a nice outing against the Padres, you know, maybe they were just off. Um, but the the thing for me is just, you know, the flashes have been shown in the past, but he's just struggled to find that consistency. If he shows it, sure. I'll, I'll buy in. But at that point, it'll probably be too late. And, you know, I think in 15 teamers, you take what you can get. There's not much there on the wire, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going after Toussaint. Yeah, it's a dicey one. I, I definitely have him after Gray and Patino on yep. that list. But I can see the appeal in streaming situations with him. But his biggest problem, like you mentioned the walks, that was always the problem in previous years too. The walks just crushed him, and then he'd give up like a three-run homer. It's the little, like those little things really eat away at you, so keep that in mind. A couple injury news is here. Alex Bregman is about to start a rehab assignment, looks like, so you might get him back in another couple weeks which is good to hear if you've held on to him. Uh, Jacob Grom goes on the IL. And uh, Ryan, I don't know about you, but I'm nervous for the fact that he they're saying he might begin throwing shortly. I think he resumed throwing today. Okay, um, good. good. Yeah, I'm like, aware, just had a note about that. So, um, yeah, and I, I think they said they weren't going to have him throw until he felt better. So I think this is a promising sign. Um, I was hoping the Mets wouldn't rush him back just because, you know, I, I have him in a few teams, um, but they're only two and a half games ahead of the Phillies in the NL East. You know, they've been five and five since uh, his last start on July 7th. So I uh, was hoping they wouldn't rush him, um, you know, but, but we'll see. We'll see what he, what he looks like when he comes back. Sure, it'll be yeah. the same old Degrom, but <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping they wouldn't rush him because I'm like you is I want him back for the long haul. I don't want this back and forth the IL which we've seen, and it's yeah. really frustrating as you probably saw before is when he said, "Yeah, most of these injuries before this last one was all because I was swinging a bat." So that yep. makes you feel so good about this whole situation. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we could have prevented all of this fun stuff. Um, and then lastly, when it comes to the Mets, Carlos Carrasco. His, his latest rehab assignment got pushed back a few days, but he's still on, on target to return shortly, it says. So if he's available, you got a shot. Are you looking at grabbing a guy like Carrasco if he's available? Because we know how good he can be, but this injury has kept sticking around, it felt like. Yeah, I feel like if you can get him for a few bucks, I think that'll be worth it. He, I wouldn't expect more than a couple innings if he does return to the Mets. Um, maybe two, three innings at most. Um, he's really he's not really stretched out. Um and he really struggled in his last rehab start and gave up five earned runs and an inning and two thirds with three home runs. So um, he's one of my favorite stories in baseball. He's obviously a former Indian uh, battle back from leukemia. So I'm rooting for him, but I, I won't be uh, investing too heavily in fantasy. Yeah, it sucked because I'm always a cookie fan, especially just because of the story, as you mentioned. 
but just for fantasy, like it seems like he always gets undervalued. So come draft day, you get him at a good price tag. He's a workhorse. Seems like a great guy. He's always smiling and having fun. Uh, good yeah. leader. So when he got traded to the Mets, I was all like, heck yeah, because now he goes to the National League. He's got Stroman and Degrom ahead of him, so he's not the yeah he doesn't have to be the, the ace anymore. Stuff like that. And then yeah, it all kind of unraveled from there. So that was a bummer. Uh, last bit of news, we don't have to talk about it at all, but uh, I did see Chris Sale is going to join the Red Sox. He has one more rehab assignment, though. So he's going to travel with the team, I should say. But he's got one more rehab assignment, and if that goes well, he might be back on the rotation here in about a week or so. So that's good news if you held him this long. That's uh, finally getting something out of Chris Sale. I'm curious to see what they do with him, but it looks like they, from all the rehab starts, Ryan, he's pretty much been full go. So I'm really yeah. curious to see how this goes. Yeah, we'll see what we get when he comes back. All right, let's talk some closers. Uh, before we get into it, like, describe, talk talk to the listeners more about what you're doing with this closer grid, how you go about it, how you just keep up with all the insanity that takes place each and every night of, oh, wait, now Scott Barlow got the other uh, save. So now three ro- Royals have five saves. And, oh, wait, now this guy's in getting closers because this guy pitched the sixth today. Like, so much fun stuff. How do you go about the whole process? Yeah, my process is I usually go in about once a week and update all 30 teams and just kind of see what's happened over the past week. You know, who got saves, who didn't, who got, you know, high leverage usage. Um, You know, I think by now we've learned some of the manager's tendencies. We know Kevin Cash is going to be, you know, if he's got all of his relievers healthy, he's going to be a committee. Same with Mike Matheny in in Kansas City and, and Scott Service and in Seattle. I think those guys are just, uh, you know, want to use committees. They're, they're, they're using that new approach that, that we're seeing more and more teams kind of employ. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just go in and, and, um, update our, our closer depth charts, um, our closers and waiting rankings and, and just, uh, update the closer notes for, uh, uh, Yeah, no, it's a, it's a job that I don't envy. I'll say that much. Like I know yourself, uh, Greg Jewett, and many others do the the constant closers work. I'm just like, you guys are, yeah. uh, you guys got some crazy stuff. That's all I know because <laughs> it's it's a headache. And an, and then you probably have like you know the wonderful people on Twitter and stuff that they're never bad or anything that go, well, you said so and so. So I can already see that. I can already see that one coming. Like you knew yeah. how this was supposed yeah. to work. F you. <laughs> yeah. No, right. trust me. I get that giving DFS content daily. I get it all the time. Yeah. So I, I, I can only imagine because these guys are spending hundreds of dollars in fab. It's just like, guys, come on. You're, you're trying to spend a lot of money on the closer for one of the worst teams in baseball. So this is what's going <laughs> exactly. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> this is this part for the course, guys. My um, response to that is always, you know what? You're the, you own your team, right? You make yeah. the decision. Right? We can you hit guide the button. you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, at the end of the day, you make the choice. Exactly. It's like it's like an instruction manual for anything you buy. It's just telling you how to do it. You still have to put it together. It's on, yeah, it's exactly. on you at that point. So I'm right. with you 100% there. So let's go through some teams. As I mentioned, I wasn't planning on putting this many teams, but just going through a list, like, well, there's a question, and there's a question, and so on and so forth. So we'll start. Um, it goes kind of American League to National League here. Let's start with Baltimore. Um, you have Tyler Wells as the closer now with uh, low job security, but we saw Tanner Scott the other day get some. Cole Solcer had his run. Paul Fry's had his run. Cesar Valdez was great until he just completely blew up because the cha- one-pitch changeup was never going to work full-time. So what's your take here? We had a, lot, a few listeners even asking, what's the deal with Tyler Wells? Yeah. Um, so so Dan Connolly covers the, the Orioles for the Athletic. Um, he, he had a recent note that said uh, – um, it appears Wells will get most of the save opportunities moving forward. 
Uh, I mean, we'll see. Um, I don't know if uh, Brandon Hyde values a full-time closer role when the, when the team's rebuilding. Um, I guess we did see it kind of early in the season with Valdez pitching so effectively early on. I think he got eight of the first uh, 11 saves for the team. Um, Paul Fry had a couple. Um, Cole Salser has some. But um, if you look at some of the usage post-All-Star break, uh, Salser kind of was in the chair before uh, I, I kind of penciled in Wells. Um, and in his three appearances since the All-Star break, he pitched the uh, – and this is Salser we're talking about. He pitched the eighth with a 5-0 lead, the seventh with a 6-1 lead, and then he came on in the sixth um, to protect a 4-3 lead. Um, so still still high leverage, but, but no longer really the closer, it appears. So um, – Actually tweeted um, a couple of weeks ago that I think I thought T- Tanner Scott was going to get uh, an opportunity uh, after the All Star break, and, and he did. Uh, unfortunately, he blew it yesterday against the Rays. He he loaded the bases, and Austin Meadows had a had a walk off to uh, win that game. But um, just kind of look at um, part of my. You were talking about process earlier. Part of my process is really kind of looking. Um, you know, not only at the usage, but like performance over like the past month, past 10 days to see, you know, how these guys are pitching if there's a trends. Um, it was kind of how I identified um, Josh Stallman of the Royals. Um, he's been bad since like mid-May um, and he hasn't gotten a save since like May 19th. So um, just kind of look at that and, you know, see who's pitching well, see who isn't, and just kind of eyeball, like, well, this guy's, you know, got 10 straight scoreless appearances. Maybe, you know, they gave him a shot in the ninth. Uh, when you're looking at closers, because you mentioned Tyler Wells, and honestly, I do a lot of fantasy baseball stuff, and I didn't even really know who he was until about a week ago. Um, yeah. When you're when you're talking about guys like that, what kind? Of, how aggressive would you be? Again, this is the Orioles who are always mixing and matching, as you said. You don't know if they're going to stick around. So, Kind of breaking the bank on guys like this is kind of tough. It would be one thing if, you know, we'll talk about the Cubs in a minute and there's a chance, well, whoever takes it is going to be the guy or something. Just put a scenario there. So you spend a little more money knowing he's the guy. Right. With a guy like uh, Wells, we could, you know, see him for two weeks and he's out again or something. How aggressive would you be on him come Sunday? Um, not very. Um, uh, the the positive trend with Wells is, is since the All-Star break, he's pitched the ninth uh, in both games that he's pitched. Um one with a 6-1 lead against Tampa Bay and one in a four-run game against Kansas City. And if he was available yesterday, he was going to apparently get the, the save opportunity, but but he wasn't available. So um, trends are looking like he's going to get the next opportunity. I Like you said, though, the Orioles are, you know, one of the worst teams in baseball. You know, Hyde likes to mix and match. Um, he's already used uh, four different relievers in the closer role, so – uh, you know, I'm not breaking the bank for Wells, but it's promising uh, season. He's a, he's a rookie. He's capable of pitching multiple innings. Um, I think they were talking about uh, trying him out as a starter at one point. But uh, really promising, 32% K rate, 5% walk rate. So, I mean, maybe he maybe he takes it and runs with it. Uh, I know, you know the Orioles really like him. So, you mentioned the multi inning possibility, or just basically he's throwing good innings. Period. Um, when you're looking for a, a reliever or a closer come on, on a Sunday fab period and the, the closer situations are bleak, how, how, how likely are you to go and grab like a Wells or, you know, a Funkhauser for Detroit or some other guys that might not run into saves, but could really help other aspects out since you know the depth of bullpens. And then you think, Hey, maybe in like three weeks, 
this guy's got the new chance. How likely are you to grab those kind of guys like a buck right now? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a smart move. Um, you know, especially if you get them cheap and then they eventually land in the role. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're if you're well set in saves and ratios, I'm I'm probably not looking there. Um, but if I have the room to like, you know, like for example, eighteen team uh, Rotowire staff keeper league, I'm I'm gonna look to Adam, you know, because I'm starting a few relievers. I'm starting Brent Suter in that league and. Uh, a couple others. So in those deeper formats, definitely, um, you know, in the 12, there's probably a lot more uh, pitching depth uh, available to choose from. So I uh, may not need to roster someone like Wells, who's, um, you know, could still give you good ratios, but um, you may be still able to find enough good starters to, to start your, fill out your rotation. All right. Let's go to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, we have Gregory Soto picked up another save. On Wednesday night, he's looked pretty good for the most part. He's had his hiccups at times. You have Jose Cisnero, who's looked pretty good. Obviously, Michael Fulmer was there because they're trying to trade him. He got hurt yet again. So right now, you got Soto and Cisnero there. Are, are those the main guys you're looking at, or is there a potential third guy? Assuming that both these guys maybe get traded. So I think Soto's. I think Soto's the guy. He's been incredible since June first. Um, Two fifty ERA, 089 WHIP. Oh, excuse me. Got ten saves overall, but. Um, Fulmer's beginning his rehab assignment today. Okay. Um, and I think what the Tigers will try to do is they'll maybe try to get him a, a save opportunity before the deadline just to try to establish some trade value. Excuse me. Um, so, you know, while Soto's gotten the most recent uh, saves for the team, I think, you know, we might have a little break here, maybe a week or two where, you know, we might see Fulmer get a couple or, or Cisnero step in. Um, Cisnero's been excellent too. Um, 32 years old, uh, 14 of his last 15 outings have been scoreless. So um, he's really good. And and the other guy to keep an eye on in this bullpen is Kyle Funkhauser. He's got a 15.1 inning scoreless streak. So bullpen's been really good and Tigers are in third place. They're on the rise, man. Like this team could be, could be pretty good. Uh, Well, since June, like June 1st, I think they're above 500. Like they're actually playing good baseball. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're no longer the, you know, the worst team in baseball for several years. So as an Indians fan, I'm, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder, like, Oh, stay back there. But you (laughs) You don't have to worry about them. And I like, Oh wait, now they might come in and sweep us this weekend. Like, like, Oh great. Here we go. That's a a realistic possibility now. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like, Oh no. But uh, yeah, Funkhauser, a guy I talked about him a couple of weeks ago as a guy that, um, cause I am a guy that likes to kind of grab these, like seventh inning guys are longer relievers that you never know. They might run into one, but they could steal you a win or they'll help your ratios and get strikeouts. And Funkhauser has been outstanding. He's been like really, really good. You mentioned last 15 innings. Um, he's just had a really good season overall, but of late has been outstanding. So I, I like that recommendation. He's like, for me, it's one of those, if the Tigers like decided to say, screw, we're selling everybody. And all of a sudden they sell Cisnero and Soto. I, I'm guessing Funkhauser is the guy, but we'll see. Maybe they trade Funkhauser because some team's looking for a middle reliever. Who knows? But um, it is the Tigers after all, so we'll see how that goes. Kansas City Royals, this one has been a headache for many. You mentioned Scott Bartle got a save last night for his fifth of the year. You got Holland, you got Stomont. They each have five-plus saves. What are you doing with this bullpen? Yeah, I'm, I'm staying away. Like, um <laughs> So Holland and Barlow are the only two relievers who have gotten saves for the Royals since June 1st. Um, like I said, Stomatz was was in mid-May. 
Um, and he's been bad since May, May 1st, but um, I'm just generally avoiding this committee. I mean, it, it's, it's another committee, you know, Barlow is, you know, really good. You know, he had a stretch of games where he was, he was struggling for a while, but um, I just, I'm just not interested in this bullpen, at least yeah, from a fantasy perspective, right? Yeah, it's a headache. It's a nightmare. Is what it is. It's, it's a great bullpen if you have a saves hold league, so you're good yeah. there. But it's a nightmare everywhere else. Um, let's move on to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. This is a fun one because Rafael Iglesias has been absolutely amazing. It feels like he almost doesn't get the unless I'm just missing the 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 conversations. It feels like he doesn't get the the respect he deserves. Is because he's on the Angels right now. He's been so good as as a reliever. And the Angels have been so bad. So I know you've put out some potential trade situations. Other people have chatted about it. Do you think the Angels trade him? Uh, well, probably. Um, they're one in four since the All Star break. Um, you know, and, and those five games were against wild card contenders. They're now seven and a half games back of the wild card, um, and it's a shame. You know, Trout's coming back soon. Um, eventually, Rendon will come back. Um, you know, he's suffered a setbacks out a few more weeks, but you know, with Trout and Otani, I mean, you're just, I mean, what are they doing? Like they got to get some pitching. <laughs> so I think they'll trade him for some pitching to be honest. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that'll be interesting to see. Cause you know, they need pitching. You have on your list, you're Dylan Bundy's even like the fourth guy here. It shows you how bad their pitching has been. Is Bundy is in the bullpen now. If for yeah. some reason, if for some reason they do trade Iglesias, is it mayor's job or do you think someone else steps in there? Um, I, Probably Mayers, um, although he's he hasn't been good either. So, oh, I mean, we'll see. They have um, a couple guys in the minors. Uh, Chris Rodriguez and Reed Detmers both were promoted to AAA today. Um, you know, maybe they get a shot later this season, uh, kind of in the role. But you know, they're they're more kind of starters. So, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I would think Mayers. I actually picked Mayers up in the Rotowire staff league last weekend. Um, you know, thinking they would, they would, they would trade Iglesias. So, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Like, I, I'm as long as Iglesias if he gets traded, is traded out of the NL West, I'll be happy because I'm very, very. <laughs> I, I can just see it now. Like he goes to San Diego because they just can't have enough pieces. That's what they love to do, or even LA. Um, Unless he goes to the Giants, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good there. That's the only team yeah. he can go to. Otherwise, get out of California. Like, go yeah. far, far away. Go to Colorado if you want, or Arizona. I'm fine there. But yeah, go far, far <laughs> out of California. Um. Minnesota Twins, this is one where the Twins have been so bad. We talked about it earlier with Kirilov that they've become sellers all of a sudden. You have Taylor Rogers, you have Hansel Robles getting some love. Duffy's been good out of the bullpen. Um, what do you think happens? Like, what do you do? You think these guys get traded? If not, how do you kind of assess this bullpen? Yeah, I think I think Rogers uh, especially will be attractive to a lot of teams. That fifty-seven to eight K to walk is is really good. Um, I just think. A lot of teams will be interested in him, um, you know. And Robles has been pretty pretty good. Uh, he's gotten the most save opportunities for the Twins as of late. But I mean, they're losing games. There's not many many save opportunities to come by. So um, I do think both get traded. Um, maybe Alex Colomay gets back gets back to the role. He hasn't been bad since July first. Three eighteen ERA, six to one K to walk in five and two thirds. So you know, maybe they'll go back to that well. I like that call. I, get, I was always the Alex Colome fan in recent years when he was actually good, and then he kind of had his hiccup last year. But sometimes it just takes, you know, a little little humility. Go pitch the sixth inning for a while, guy. Go pitch the seventh yeah. inning and uh, get your stuff together. Get, it, get the mind right because 
you know, you obviously see it with these relievers, and I've said it before, and many others have, is it takes a special breed to close out a game. Like, you have to be mentally just different to close out a game. Yeah. And if that gets, fra- like, frazzled at all, like, it's going to be a mess for a little while. So, yeah, it could be just what he needed to get his mind right and then step right back in there. We'll see how that one goes. Um, New York Yankees, Chapman has been an, a mess of late. Did pick up the save the other day, but still gave up a home run to McCutcheon in that process. So it wasn't the lights-out Chapman of old. And uh, it, it's, been, it's been bumpy. They put Britton back there. They put Chad Green back there. What are you doing with New York? Like we just talked about guys like Funkhauser who can help you with ratios and whatnot. Britain and Green can't hurt you for the most of the time. Do you go and grab some of those guys that's speculating, or how do you do with the Yankees? Yeah, so uh, Britain was on my uh, conditional bid list um, a lot of leagues, but I didn't did end up picking them up anywhere. But I think I think Chapman's fine. I think the All Star break came at the right time for him. It was perfect time. Um, if you look at his last five outings, he's he does have four scoreless or scoreless outings over his last five. So um, still throwing gas. So I think, um, I think that little break, the all-star break really, really helped him. Um, but yeah, some of those guys you mentioned green. Um, I really like the Lysica. Um supposed to be back this weekend. Uh, that'll be huge for that bullpen. Had he not gone on the COVID list, I think we might've seen him in the ninth, um, you know, with Chapman getting a little bit of a break, but uh, um, he's another one of those guys like Funkhauser where, you know, like Wells capable of pitching multiple innings and, and, you know, having that flexibility to, to, to pitch in multiple innings, you don't necessarily want to reserve him for the ninth unless you bring him in in the eighth. So yeah. um, same with green, green, Chad green, the same way, you know, capable of pitching multiple innings. So I, I like what Loisic has done this year. It's been uh he's been outstanding. Like you mentioned the COVID list, could be a week to get him for like a buck if he's sitting out there. Um, I, I'm going to probably say it too many times is as this season goes on and we start seeing innings limits put into play, that means probably even worse pitchers get called up to pitch and whatnot. Some of these longer levers are going to be much better for your roster than streaming some guys. So get them now while you can and, and fill it in while you can. It's not always easy. Like you mentioned, you have teams and others do that just have all the red briefcases, so you have nowhere to put them right now. But yeah. uh, they, they do come in handy on certain weeks right now when you see – you know, you got the injuries, and you only have so many starters. And like, well, the one starts at Yankee Stadium. I really don't want to start this guy at Yankee Stadium. Well, go throw the wiser guy out there. Maybe he gets two or three appearances, gets you five plus innings and five plus Ks, and maybe sneaks a win in there for all you know. It turns out to be a pretty productive week. Yeah, he's got like seven wins or something like that. Yeah, he's been outstanding. Him and like Colin McHugh. Like McHugh's actually oh, been McHugh's talked about been enough where I think he's pretty studded. much getting yeah, he's getting grabbed everywhere. But that's like the Rays, man. They always have one reliever. Like it was Yarborough that one year. Now it's McHugh. It's just crazy. They always have a guy. Seattle Mariners, they have a couple guys here. Kendall Graveman, he's been pretty good closing. A little sketchy the other night, but been pretty good. The defense didn't help him at all. Uh, you have Paul Sewell, who's been outstanding this season. And then a couple other pieces back there. What are you doing with this bullpen? Because you imagine Graveman's probably going to get traded, I would think. But what's your thoughts on Seattle? Maybe. Maybe he gets traded. I don't know. Um, Seattle's only three games back of the wild card. Um, they have a huge four-game series this weekend against Oakland, and then they have three at, at home versus Houston right before the trade deadline. So depending on what happens over the next seven games, I really think they'll wait. If they do trade them, it will be at the last minute because they are right in the thick of the wild card. Um, and, you know, what kind of message does it send to your fans if you trade your best reliever, like, you know, right in the thick of a wild card race? So, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if the Graveman's on the move um, over the next week. We'll we'll find out. Um, 
but Sewold, uh, Noah's a popular stash candidate in recent weeks um, because of the, the Graveman trade rumors. Um, he earned a couple saves coming in and out of the All-Star break. Um, did struggle over his last two appearances, um, four and runs, gave up uh, Homer in each of those. So just something to monitor there. Um, Drew Steckenrider's been really, really good too. Um, just one earned run allowed since June 6. So uh, bullpen's been great aside from Rafael Montero. <laughs> Uh, it's been terrible. Uh, JT Charcois has been really good too. Only four walks and 27 and a third. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do. Um, I could see them acquiring somebody like, you know, Taylor Rogers or Iglesias even, um, if they decide to become buyers. That'd be crazy. Cause it wasn't too long ago. if like the Mariners like just out of it all. And then you mentioned three games out of this and that and big series coming up. I'm like, wow. Imagine if clinic was actually hitting like that would be <laughs> right. like, oh man, because Torrance has been great. They got Cal Raleigh up. Um, they're they're giving people chances. It's just because even like Shed Long, and then you have Lewis goes down with an injury, and they're still there. So that's uh, pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Last American League team on the list, the Tampa Bay Rays. Because why not? They always love committees, as you mentioned. Diego Castillo's been doing the job. Pete Fairbanks snuck in a couple saves recently. If you are to roster some guys out of Tampa Bay, who are you rostering? Yeah, I'm restoring Castillo and Fairbanks. I think they're they've gotten the most recent saves. I mean, Kittredge has got a couple. Jeffrey Springs has a couple, um, but they haven't gotten a save in a while. So I think I think Castillo and Fairbanks are kind of the main guys right now. Um, Nick Anderson's starting a rehab assignment soon, so it's something to monitor. He was their kind of closer for a while last year, um, but I think Kevin Cash will stay true to this committee. Um, he's just never one to stick with just one guy, um, you know, hence the Fairbanks usage over the past, uh, you know, I think he, he got the team's most two recent saves. So yep. um, I'm sure they'll go back to Castillo right as everyone picks up Fairbanks again. So I got about it. Like uh, going into the season, I had a ton of Fairbanks like DCs going, yep, that's guy I want late. Cause what we saw the, the usage late in the postseason and everything, then he starts out the year just not even close to it again. I'm like, oh, thank you, Kevin Cash. But now we're back. Now we're back. So we'll see how long that lasts for. Um, and I lied. We have one more American League team, the Texas Rangers. Ian Kennedy's been pretty decent for the Rangers this year, getting stuff done, kind of a last-minute throw into the closer role situation. you got Spores. you have Jolie Rodriguez. You would imagine Kennedy gets dealt. Um, what are you doing with this Rangers situation? Yeah, probably avoiding it, too. Um it, it's tough because they have two real young guys, um, Joe Barlow and DeMarcus Evans, who are, who are really exciting. Um, I think the future kind of lies with them, but um, in the interim, maybe Josh Spores or Dennis Santana. I don't think, I don't think those young guys kind of step into that role this year. Um, Julie Rodriguez has been bad um, this season. Brett, Brett Martin doesn't really fit the, the closer profile. He's only got a 6.6 K per nine. So I would think it goes to Spores or Dennis Santana, who came over from uh, the Dodgers. Dodgers, in June. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, forgot all but, about Dennis Santana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been getting some uh, eighth inning work lately. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see if he he steps in because I think I have to imagine they'll trade Kennedy. I mean, there's there's no reason not to, right? Yeah, I'm with you. They they there's no reason not to. And again, I lied. We have one more American League team because I'm so good at uh, my alphabetical order here. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they're going back to Toronto. Buffalo, their last game was on Wednesday night in Buffalo. Jordan Romano's been pretty darn good. Um, is it pretty much his job do you see going forward, or is there any concern about someone else jumping in there? 
Um, well, I thought Julian Mary Merriweather was going to kind of split the role with him, but uh, he had a setback in his recovery. He still doesn't have a timetable to resume mound work. So um, mid to late August probably uh, for him to come back. So um, I think Romano probably going to keep the role for now. He's been pretty steady until July. In fact, um, over his last four appearances, he's given up five earned runs and um, served up three homers. Uh, during that span, but still been great overall Two two forty one ERA seven saves. Um, I think this team will definitely trade for another reliever. I had um, previously pegged them for uh, Richard Rodriguez from the pirates um, pirates. GM Ben Charrington came from Toronto knows the system. Well, I, I think it makes sense for them to, to kind of trade for rich rod. If um, they want to push for the playoffs, because everyone yeah. else is like really aside from Romano, Maybe Simber kind of reminds me of like Tyler Rogers light um, with that like low K rate, but like soft contact. Um, Delise has been bad. Chatwood's been bad. I mean, you, you can't put those guys in the ninth inning when they're walking seven guys per nine. Like that's just, it's stupid. Now, if so. they do go, if they do trade for Rich Rod, you'd imagine they trade for him to be the closer. But uh, do you imagine he just walks in and takes the job from Romano or, or like, would you be if you're a Romano owner, basically? Would you be concerned about losing your saves that way? Um, a little bit. I think they could yeah. probably split the role. Um, I still think Romano is kind of the highest leverage reliever. Um, they'll probably use him similar to the way Seattle uses Graveman, where it doesn't always get the ninth. Um, but Rich Rod's been, you know, could fit that role too. So, you know, I could see them kind of splitting if if they do acquire Rodriguez. All right, now we head to the National League, and we start the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it wasn't too long ago where everyone's like, screw Joaquin Soria. Why spend money on Joaquin Soria? The Diamondbacks can't win games, blah, blah, Well, they lost like 22 in a row or something, whatever it was. Yeah. But now they're winning. They just swept the Pirates. They won, I think, four out of six. Soria's getting saves. Now he's going to get traded. So what are you doing with the situation in Arizona? Yeah, Soria's been really good since July 1st. Um, three RA, one whip. 13 to one K to walk six saves, nine innings really boosted his trade value. So uh, certainly on the move um, options behind him are bad. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> um, I mean, if I had to take a guess, maybe Noe Ramirez, um, he has a history with Tori Lugulo, the Red Sox in 2015, been pitching the eighth, um, but he might be a trade candidate too. So, Assuming anyone's even interested in Noe Ramirez, probably not. <laughs> uh, but um, Tyler Clippard was just activated after missing four months. Um, oh, you know, he has experience in the role. Although it was a long time ago, I think uh, 2012, uh, he was a Nats closer. So um, I don't know. This is really kind of a flip a coin, you know, maybe see. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, they have a couple young guys, Brett DeGeis and J.B. Bukoskis, but they've really struggled. So um, I think the, those are kind of the guys they, they they want to be in the role eventually, but both have an ERA over seven. So I'd be surprised if they, they step into it. So basically with Arizona, we're just going to wait and see because uh, it's such a mess there. Like it might not be worth the price of admission, basically. That, that sounds like a, a fun one there. Let's go to the Cubs. Craig Kimbrell has been amazing this season like the Kimbrel of old like the Atlanta Braves Kimbrel he's been great very very high chance he gets traded this uh trade deadline to where hopefully the Giants but we'll see how that goes uh Chafin's been good to has been good but there's even rumors they might get traded too as just the fire sale in Chicago begins 
let's just have some fun with this. First off, if Kimbrough gets traded, who do you want as the closer? At the end of the trade deadline, who do you think is left standing? Um, so Kimbrough, assuming Kimbrough's move first, which I don't know if he will be, um, I would want Tapera. Um, as experience in the role with Toronto, career low, seven and a half walk rate this season. Um, I think he'll get kind of that first shot, but I think he's probably going to get traded too. So after the end of the trade deadline, um, I tweeted earlier today, um, I could see Rowan Wick, who's on rehab right now, looks really good in his rehab, and uh, Rex Brothers kind of splitting the role. Um, Brothers being the lefty, um, had 19 saves with Colorado in 2013, 14 and a half K per nine, really tough on lefties. Um, And then, you know, Wick uh, just being the compliment to him. Um, Just a wild guess. So, you know, obviously none of this is set in stone. So don't, you know, go blowing your fam for Rex brothers. But uh, yeah, I could, something I could see happening. Yeah. But the fun in in listening to this now is you can go get him for a buck now and just see what happens. If you have to drop him, it's a buck. Like it's not the end of the world where if those trades all happen and Rex brothers becomes a closer, you and I both know that it's going to be so much fun that following Sunday. So um, if you can get ahead of the game here, it's good. And Rowan Wick, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he have some save chances in recent years as, as Phil's closer for the Cubs? Yeah, last year, I think. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. And it sounded familiar. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's pitched in high leverage before. He would be the guy I would like, I would really kind of go after for the buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not brothers, but um, we'll see. We'll see how the the other trade trips fall with this team because there's they're all free agents. Uh, well, I think Chafin's got a, a mutual option next year, but. Um, yeah, uh, Tapera, Dan Winkler is even a free agent next year, so they could trade their like the entire bullpen, bullpen basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. thank God! Yeah, you so, get yeah. Chris Bryant and three of our relievers go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then as long as Chafin goes somewhere where his personality won't get dwarfed, we'll be good because he's been fun just to watch and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Let's go to Cincinnati. Heath Hembry has been the closer of late. He's been good, but also had some shaky moments out there. And then he comes in in different, like, high leverage spots. So he's not always in the bullpen. Amir Garrett got a save the other day. It's been uh, interesting, to say the least, in Cincinnati. What are you doing with this bullpen? Yeah, I just think I just think David Bell is one of those guys who likes to just mix and match. Um, I want to say it's Lucas Sims chair upon his return. He didn't really do anything to lose the job. He just got, he just got hurt. He was, he was actually pitching really well uh, before, before he got injured. Um, but Hembry's been, Hembry and Garrett have both been really good since uh, uh, July 1st, Hembry 208 ERA, uh, five saves um, overall 14 and a half K per nine. The things that worry about with Hembry is um, 2.2 homers per nine and a 632 ERA at home. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just kind of a random stat to watch out for there. Uh, with Garrett, um, he's only allowed three runs over his last 16 appearances, 19 to 5, K to walk in that span with four saves. So, um, yeah, it's it's just not – it's just another one of those situations where it's just not one guy and they're just going to split. And, you know, when Sims returns, uh, it's going to get even more murky. And if Antone even comes back later on, um, which – I don't know how optimistic I am about him with a uh, forearm strain, a uh, plasma injection uh, Ooh, rehab. Yeah, not, so not good. Not good. <laughs> um, is going to start throwing bullpens next week, but um, you know, I, I'm a little less optimistic about Antone. But yeah, this is this is one of those bullpens just to 
kind of avoid. Yeah, it's a tricky one because I, I liked Sims a lot going into the year. Like you said, he's pitching really well towards the end, but uh, it's been a dicey, dicey situation to say the least. Let's head to Miami. Yimmy Garcia, he got the job, then it got sketchy, so Bender stepped in for a bit. But then Yimmy's back there, and he got a save again on Wednesday night. They might try to trade Yimmy. Um, I know Bender's been the popular name, Ryan. So what are you looking at here in this Miami situation? Yeah, I think I think Yimmy just got the most recent opportunity because they're trying to trade him. Um, okay. I think I speculated him going back to the Dodgers where he started his career. Um, but, yeah, he's been shaky, 659 ERA since June 1st, um, pretty bad. Um, everyone started adding Bender as, a, as his, you know, possible replacement, but he's he's given up six earned runs over his last six appearances. So Never fails. You know, yeah, it's, just, it's always like it's always something, right? Yep. Um, I think uh, it's either Bender or I think maybe they give Anthony Bass another crack of the role. He started the year as the closer, um, blew two saves real early on, and, you know, that's when Yimmy took over. But – I don't really think uh, Floro has a you know that profiles walk rates over ten percent for the first time in his career, and I just don't think he's really you know he has two saves, but I don't think he's really closer material. So, yeah, I know I know a lot of DCs I have would love to see Anthony Pass get saves again. So yeah, yeah, he was be... a big target of mine. I had him on like three teams, and then it was <laughs> you know and then it blew up. It blew yeah. up in all our faces. <laughs> so, sure did. Yeah, but it was the it was value, Ryan. It was value when we drafted him, so it's okay. Um, let's head to the Mets. Edwin Diaz. When we all thought he'd figured it out and things were going good, it has gotten quite ugly again for Edwin Diaz. Like really ugly again. You know, Seth Lugo's always been pretty good. Trevor May's been outstanding. There was times when he figured May would be like a future closer in Minnesota, never panned out. What are you trying to do here? Do you think Edwin Diaz loses the job and you want to get Lugo or May, or is Diaz just going to be the guy? I think Diaz is a guy. Um, Luis Rojas gave him a, a vote of confidence and said he would have gotten the save opportunity Tuesday uh, against the Reds, but they they trailed that whole game. So, um, you know, if he blows another one or two, we'll you know I'm sure they'll they'll turn to to May. Um, everyone's you know panicking about Seth Lugo after his five earn run blow up in the during the short week where everyone was starting relievers, you know, okay. but. Um, He's been. I'm not worried about him after one bad out. He's been good in like every one of his other appearances. So, um, could easily see them turning to Lugo. May has logged actually the team's two most recent saves. As you said, he's been good, but always homer prone. You know, he's always had an issue with that. So, you know, it it, it will all depend on what Diaz does his next time he has a save chance. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like we know how good he can be. It's just been. It could just be one of those stretches. We'll see how it goes, but. Uh, I, I like Trevor May, and then we love Lugo. Like Lugo, kind of fits that mold of those multi-inning guys we talked about earlier. That he's going to have a lot more good starts than bad, or good outings than bad, and he can really rack things up for you. So, and if they keep having pitching issues, he might see him go back to the rotation like we saw before, and he was quite productive in that role as well. Uh, a couple more to go here. Philadelphia Phillies. You have Ranger Suarez has been looking pretty good in the pen. You got Hector Neris still sitting around giving up home runs. You got Alvarado. It's been a mess, this bullpen. It is a complete disaster. So are you on the team Ranger Suarez? Or are you kind of speculating elsewhere? Yeah, I picked Suarez up in a couple of leagues. Um, I, I do think this is a committee between Suarez and Neris. Um, Alvarado's just been been bad over his last eight outings, got an ERA over 11, and overall is 19% walk rate. That's just, You don't want that for your closer. So um, I think Suarez um, – who holds lefties under 
a uh, hundred uh, batting average and and Naris who who does well against righties. I think I think it's just gonna they're just gonna split split the saves between them. Um, Archie Bradley um, actually has eight consecutive scoreless outings, but only two strikeouts um, over nine innings during that span. So I don't think he's an option. Um, I even wonder if the the Phillies will try to try to trade him to upgrade their pen. Um, but right now, I think it's I think it's Suarez and Maris. That's pretty crazy. Archie Bradley got paid, and he still can't find the, the ninth inning rule. That's how things yeah. have gone there. But uh, I'm, I'm I, one thing you mentioned that I'm, I'm kind of happy you mentioned is I still think Naris gets some love too. Uh, I can't remember what show I was on recently, and they asked uh, how do you think the Philly situation ends up, and I said I wouldn't be shocked if Naris gets the most saves the rest of the way. Like I, I think Suarez is still very much in play, and I kind of like the committee mode you're talking about there, but. I don't think Naris was going away. This happened a couple of years ago with him. Is he started out as a closer, he struggled, and they put him right back in there. So yeah, I agree. I, I, I think he's still meant to be in that back end somewhere. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I have some Rangers for us as well. I have a little bit of both. I just I'm a sucker for punishment, I guess, <laughs> in Philadelphia. Um, last uh, National League team we have here, the Pittsburgh Pirates. We mentioned Rich Rodriguez likely getting traded, very highly likely getting traded. Where are you looking at in that Pittsburgh bullpen? I know they don't win a lot of games, but they might have like 10 save chances the rest of the way. So where are we looking? Yeah, I think David Bednar is the most obvious choice to close. Um, you know, ERA under three, 11.1 K, K per nine. Um, and he's been he's been getting higher leverage work ever since Kyle Crick was uh, DFA'd. So um, a lot of people thought Crick might step into that role, but he had a uh, – he was walking batters, uh, seven walks per nine. So – um, probably why I got DFA'd. Um, so I think Bednar probably steps in. Another another person to watch is Kyle Keller. Um, he was recently recalled a few weeks ago. Um, posted a 2.20 ERA, 0.86 WHIP, and 26 to one K to walk in 16 innings during his most recent stint in the minors. So pretty good. Um, obviously, really hasn't pitched high leverage yet. So um, you know, if Bednar doesn't work out, you know, it's kind of a, a deeper deeper target to look at no that's good to know because um pittsburgh when they do win games it's usually close so you're gonna get some save chances there they're not blowing teams out of the water but they have a sneaky good offense they, and they don't strike out a lot so they might get more saves than you think and rich rod's out of town so it's like if you had to this week and everything we just talked about first off is there any more teams that i missed that have interest to you coming into the trade deadline i don't think so i think we covered all 30 all teams the main ones. yeah <laughs> i think we did too um yeah with all that we talked about, though, kind of all the speculative ads, who might be some of your top spec ads, like maybe this weekend or as the trade deadline looms? Yeah, so I really liked um, uh, Anthony Bender and Sewold for, for at least for closers. Um, you just obviously have to watch to see what happens with Graveman. Um, Lucas Sims, if he's available, I would go back and get him. You know, even though it's a committee there, he's he'll help you out and with strikeouts and, and his ratios. Um, so those would be kind of my top stashes. Um, th- the rest of the stashes aren't as appealing just because they played for shittier teams. Mm-hmm. Guys like Bednar and Carlos Estevez and Mayers and Spores. Um, you know, maybe go get Tyler Wells, too, that we talked about at the top of the show. Yeah, um, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, we have one listener question because uh, we already answered the Wells question. So we have one left, and that is from uh, Taylor Johnson. He asks, he's at a stat 32 with David price building up as a starter. He's actually looked good. His last couple chances out there. Would you rank rest of 
where would you rank him rest of the season among starting pitchers for you? So if if Price is out there and um, is he like a top 100 starting pitcher for you if he gets stretched out? No, oh, yeah, yeah, I would think so. Top 50? Mm. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe right there. Yeah, maybe yeah. right there. Okay. Yeah, and then um, and I, I think he'll have his moments. He's always been a strikeout guy, but we have seen he's getting older and sometimes it gets a little wonky, but it's the Dodgers. It's not a bad thing. And then would you stop? This one kind of made me laugh. Would you stop with Kyle Gibson? I think Kyle Gibson's been pretty good, except his last two starts both against Detroit. <laughs> uh, would I drop him for Price? No. No. Um, okay. Gibson's been great for 15 of his 18 starts. So I'll give two bad starts a pass. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, out of all teams that showed up against the um, Detroit Tigers, of course, yeah. that took it to Kyle Gibson, which Juggernaut. is not. It's wild, man. But they are like we. Everyone wants to joke about it, and they they've earned that right. But um, I do in DFS. I look at like monthly splits, and they're hitting the baseball. It's crazy. Yeah. They're hitting. They're pitching okay. Scoobles been great. You mentioned Funkhauser and that bullpen's been and Soto and company have been setting things down. It'll be interesting um, for your Cleveland Indians. What do you think they do this come this trade deadline? Probably nothing. Um, I don't. I mean. I don't know. They, you know, they're they're out of pretty much playing themselves out of the wild card race now. I think they're only a couple games above 500 now. Jose Ramirez has been hurt. He's been out of the lineup past couple of days. I haven't checked to see if he's in the lineup uh, today. Um, but yeah, I don't think they do much. If anything, they'll trade maybe Brian Shaw okay. um, out of the bullpen. But um, I would love to see them acquire some some outfield depth. Um, you know, I. I had such high expectations for, you know, with, with, with Eddie Rosario out, you know, they called up Daniel Johnson and, you know, I had him, I drafted them on like all my DC teams and was thinking he's going to be great, but he's just, you know, strikes out too much at the big league level. So um, Bradley Zimmer has been pretty good though. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I'd like to see them upgrade their outfield though, but we'll see. Yeah. Mercado's getting on base and stealing. So you got yeah. that going for you. Um. Yeah, there's such a fr- like Bieber's back soon, right? Uh, I haven't. I don't remember the latest update on him. I still before the All Star break, it was still a couple couple weeks before he even does his rehab. So yeah, and Plesac hasn't looked good. Savali, I think, is rehabbing now. Yeah. So I don't know. The local radio yeah. guys here in Cleveland talk about like we should trade Jose Ramirez now. You know, he's oh, no. get them get the most return for him because you know we waited too long to. Trade Lindor, you know, and you know the return wasn't, you know, amazing. You know, Ned Rosario has been good, but Jimenez that hasn't been good, and um, I don't know. I that that would suck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I I could see him doing it. I wouldn't be surprised because it doesn't. I get their logic of go get him while you can get some stuff for him, basically. Yeah, but man, man, first Lindor and then J Ram and like a. 12 month process. <laughs> His contract is just so friendly. Like the, yeah. the return for him, if they traded him now would be huge. Um, yeah. You know, and if they had a nine game losing streak recently, if, if the, you know, if they lose, you know, if they get swept by the Rays this weekend and, you know, lose their next five before the trade deadline, you know, 
I could see it. Most definitely. And he'll probably go to like the Dodgers or something. So that'd be great. That'd be really good. Cause that's what the Dodgers <laughs> do is take highly, highly yeah. talented people. And take, even if they don't need them, they take them, but um, wouldn't be surprised about that. But uh, Ryan, I think that'll wrap us up for today's episode. Any final thoughts on the closing situation on the rest of the fantasy baseball season that you want to leave the listeners with? No, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I really, I really appreciate it, Bubba. And, and thanks to all your listeners for, for, uh, listening to me ramble on about closers for for an hour, I really appreciate it. And uh, these, this podcasting uh, has been it's new to me. It's not you know my most comfortable thing to do. So um, appreciate you giving me a chance, and I look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, we definitely will do it again sometime. And uh, you're you're a natural, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, even though it's new to you, you're just fine. Like I tell everybody, like that uh, get get nervous or whatever. Mom, you like baseball. I like baseball. We're talking baseball. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's a it's a real simple thing. It's just a stupid microphone involved. That's all it is. <laughs> like, it, it just think of it's two guys at a bar talking baseball. So it's a uh, real simple stuff there. But uh, yeah, everybody check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Roof R U F E and his work over at RotoWire.com. Has we've had many RotoWire people on the show, and I've said it many times. I've been a subscriber to RotoWire since college so we're going on way too long now don't even want to count that up but it's been a long time so uh go check out rotowire.com and all the goodies i know they have a 10-day free trial all that good stuff so uh, check them out check ryan out on twitter check out the closers grid as well and we'll be back with you guys next week as this was bench with bubba episode 387 see you guys later <laughs>